It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Oh, we worship you, Father. We worship you, Lord. Our Savior, our Healer, Baptizer in the Holy Ghost, Redeemer, soon coming King. We worship your name. We glorify and exalt you. For you are holy. You are righteous. There is none like you. None like you, none like you, none like you. We worship you, Lord God. We glorify, we exalt your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How we worship you, Father. How we glorify your name. How we exalt you, Lord. How we exalt you. Praise God, praise God. Well, the Lord is good. Amen. Be seated for a few minutes. We'll teach the Word of God. Hallelujah. Go to Mark chapter. Mark chapter 11. Now, we're going to... Well, before you go there, go to 1 Corinthians 11. We may come back to Mark. Before... As we've announced, we want to gear these meetings toward healing, divine healing. That means healing that is manifested through faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, there's so much controversy. There always has been. I was unaware uh, in my life in ministry till I began to minister in Europe of the tremendous amount of what they call faith healers. We don't see it that much here in the United States, but over in Europe it's very predominant. Uh, comes out of the what we call the itinerants, the travelers. Some people call them gypsies, different people like that, in which they claim to have a, a power to heal you. Now, they claim to have that power. They claim that, you know, that they're healers. They'll, they'll come into one area. We were holding a meeting in one area, and they came and rented a, a hotel ballroom there, and I don't know, 30 or 40 desperate people came in there and were, were seeking a healing touch. And, and you could just tell, you could just tell just the atmosphere of the place was just demonic is what it was because no man can heal you. There's no healing touch in, a, in the hands of a man or an individual. Uh, and let me just take that to another level. Even with the gifts of the Spirit, no man possesses those. I've heard people say, well, I have the gift of healing or I have, I have the working of miracles in my Well, no, you don't. It may operate through an individual, but they don't possess those gifts. You know, if you have need of, a, of healing and the gift of healing works through me, then, then you're actually the one that receives the gift. It's your gift. Amen. And so there are vessels that that flows through, but there is too much documentation uh, uh, in uh, the body of Christ evidence of healing in our generation uh, to, to deny it. Now, the problem, I, I was praying the other day about healing and about ministering healing. In our ministry for, oh, 34 years now, we've seen some dynamic healings. Uh, there was a great uh, uh, healing anointing on our traveling ministry. We experienced much more what I would call uh, the miraculous in the, in, the, in the move of the Holy Ghost in our field ministry than we uh, ever have in our pastoral ministry, and rightfully so. You say, what do you mean rightfully so? Well, pastors aren't called uh, in, in so much into the healing ministry as they are to feed the sheep. 
So here in, here in, the, in the church, I come to feed the sheep. And I, I can teach you healed as good as I can minister healing to you. Amen. And I've always told people, I said, you really want to get an anointed man and get healed, come to, don't come here and go somewhere where I'm preaching somewhere else. Because it'll operate there in, in the Mark and Janet Brzee's church. Many times I've, that healing anointing will come. And the same thing with Mark. He'll minister there, but he'll come here, and that healing anointing will be a lot stronger on him here than it is in his own church. That's because we're called to pastor these churches, not conduct healing meetings. Amen. But we do have a responsibility to keep God's people healed. And really, it is not. Now, people get real stirred up over this, but it is true. If you'll study the Word of God, you'll find it true. It is not the will of God that gifts of healing operate in the church to heal God's people. Now, most people right there just, they just, oh, well, then what are they for? They're, they're to go get the world healed. They're to go out and get the world healed. You want to see gifts of healing in operation, go, go travel with Christopher along and watch how it operates in his ministry. It is the design of the Word of God to keep God's people healed. Let me say that again. It is the design of the Word of God. Actually, let me say it like this. It is the design of the Word of God and the name of Jesus, the power that's in that name, to keep God's people healed. I, I, I tell you, I'm, and I'm not going back off of this. I've said it for years. We should be the most least likely people on the planet to get sick. Because the Bible says the Word of God itself is medicine. The Word of God itself is healing. Just reading the Bible can heal you. Amen. Not only that, we have a covenant of healing through redemptive, through the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ where we don't need to be healed. We're not sick trying to get healed. We may be attacked with symptoms, but we use the Word of God to fight those symptoms off in every area of your body. Now, now it's, 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 it's important for every Christian to develop himself in the doctrine of healing. So that when sickness or disease tries to come at you, you have a resistance in you. The problem with a lot of Christians is there's no resistance in them. Now, let me show you something in the Word tonight. I, found, I find this interesting. Now, this is the scriptures we use when we take communion. Now, let me read 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which you should betrayed, took bread... When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do ye in remembrance of me. Everybody say, Remembrance of me. He said, After the same manner, he also took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Everybody say, In remembrance of me. Now, it says, For often as you drink, eat this bread, uh, eat this bread, drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink the cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the blood, uh, the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a man or a woman examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he that uh, eateth and drinketh unworthily, or in an unworthy fa fashion, eateth and drinketh damnation unto himself, not, now notice this, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, this is an area right now we really need to concentrate on because we can say, well, people don't understand what the body of Christ is all about, and they get over on what I call the negative side of not discerning the Lord's body. We can talk about, you know, how people don't come to church, how people don't respect the house of God. We can talk about all that kind of stuff, but let's get over here on this other side of not discerning the Lord's body. You say, well, what do you mean this other side? There is an area over here in the informational side in which Christians do not discern the Lord's body, or they do not understand the relevance of being in the body of Christ. 
Number one, we are part of the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, and we are the body. Now, let me try that again. Jesus is the head, and we are the body. Now, so much teaching in Christianity relegates Jesus to a corporate head of the body of Christ. Just like uh, 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 the president of the United States, whoever he may be at the particular time in which he was elected, that individual is the corporate head of this nation. Duly elected, serves out their term, we elect somebody else. Amen? Uh, There are different men that are uh, heads of corporations, women too, I guess, that are heads of corporations, and they are the corporate head. That means the headship of that organization finds its, its top position in them. Amen? Now, so much of Christianity, let me say this again, this is important to hear. So much of Christianity views Jesus as a corporate head. But Jesus is not a corporate head He is an organic head. Now let me try that again. He is an organic head. You say, what do you mean he's an organic head? Well, if we refer to organic, we refer to ourselves. We refer to our our head being the head of our body, connected together. Therefore, whatever in our head flows into our body. Did you know the same blood that was in your feet a couple of days ago is in your head today? We'll be back in your feet in a couple of days, back in your head a few days later, back in your feet. Did you know Jesus is the organic head of the body of Christ, which means what's in the head is in the body? Healing's in the head, healing's in the body. Deliverance is in the head, deliverance is in the body. Joy's in the head, joy's in the body. But we don't discern that. Or we don't recognize that. And we will, when we don't discern or recognize that, we fall short of what God has provided for us in Christ. The, the, the mentality, and it's real easy to fall into that mentality, especially if you've suffered with any kind of sickness and disease. I know during this, this period of, oh, I guess beginning in uh, mid-September through, through this month, when we've, you know, they've talked about on the uh, 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 television, uh, the news reports, about it being flu season and about this uh, flu season being a particularly bad flu season, three different strains of flu, all this kind of stuff. Then, you know, people go out and get their flu shots and go out and do uh, this type of thing. Now, three different times I sensed symptoms of the flu trying to get on me. Three different times. It never lasted more than an hour to an hour and a half. You say, why? Because immediately upon the recognition of a temptation, you say, what do you mean a temptation? You have to view sickness as a temptation. That you're not sick trying to get healed. You are the healed of God, rejecting and resisting the temptation to be sick. So three different times what I did is I stood in faith. I lifted my hands. I began to worship God. I began to thank God for my healing. And then I took my authority over those symptoms. I said, in the name of Jesus, I am not sick trying to get healed. I am the healed of God. In the name of Jesus, the Word says, by His stripes I am healed. The Word says, I've been delivered from the power of darkness. That's the power of the flu. And translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. That's the kingdom of healing and health. Therefore, I declare these symptoms have to stop now. You say, well, what would you do if they didn't stop? I'd do it again. You say, what you do if they didn't stop? I'd do it again. What you do if they didn't stop? I'd do it again and again and again and again and again until it stops. If it takes uh, 10 minutes, 10 days, or 10 years, 
You say, why? Because I am in the body of Christ. Part of the redemptive package is healing in my life. And when we don't discern that, then we fall short of the privilege of healing that we have. Then we become in need of healing. Amen. Now, people have asked me over the years, Pastor, is it scriptural or is it correct to pray to ask Jesus to heal you? Well, let me just say this. If you know how to pray, amen, if you know how to pray a prayer to appropriate healing, it is Scripture. You know, the Bible says, uh, where is it there in Mark, where we're going to go in uh, just a minute, Mark chapter 11. It says, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Now, not all prayer is asking. Let me say that again. Not all prayer is petition. And when it comes to healing, you should not pray a prayer of petition. You should not ask God to heal you. You should not go to God and say, God, I'm so sick, I need healing. Would you please heal me? That is not scriptural to do that because healing has already been provided. So the scriptural way to believe you receive, the scriptural way to ask for healing is to appropriate that which has already been done for you in the confines of prayer in order to rejoice, thank God, and apply authority to whatever may be attacking your body. There's been times when I've just used those, those very words in Mark chapter 11. Heavenly Father, I thank you that I'm healed and I believe I receive healing right now in Jesus' name. Something has to push that out of the unseen realm into the seen realm. Some pl- something has to push it, push it from what is legally yours to that which you experience. Amen? And listen, anybody at any time can experience healing. Now, we've made that, we've made that uh, 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 or given that revelation before or talked about this before. You can go to a Benny Hinn meeting. If you were alive back in the days or, or, or if uh, you were around back in the days when, when Catherine Kuhlman was ministering, you could go to a Catherine Kuhlman meeting, go to a Kenneth Hagin meeting. Any of these ministers that flowed in God's healing power, you could go to their meeting and you may or may not be healed. And I've noted some of the most profound miracles happened to people who, who, who weren't even believing God for healing. There was a man in, in, uh, in Houston who was a captain of the Houston police, captain in the Houston Police Department, who had been given up to die of lung cancer. And uh, what was his name, Dad? John Levere. John Levere was a security guard at a Catherine Kuhlman meeting and was ministered to and was totally healed and lived another 30-something years and gave his testimony all over the United States of full gospel businessmen. Now, he was healed miraculously by the power and the anointing of God. We had a man come to our Bible school at Lakewood that, that was a, a Baptist deacon and he was going to go to a Catherine Kuhlman meeting and expose her as a witch. He was actually elected or, or chosen by the board of the church there in Houston, Texas to go to her meeting at the Shamrock Hilton Hotel and get up during the meeting and go up and say, you're a witch. He was going to do that. And so he goes to the meeting. He's not in faith. He's not believing God for healing. He's got a problem with his kidneys. He's got a back problem that's got his back all messed up. Not only that, he don't believe anything that they believe. 
He walks up the aisle and stretches his finger like this at Miss Kuhlman. And she points down and says, honey, the love of God is all over you. And he fell and hit the ground. And he said, it's an amazing thing. He said, I was looking up at the lights and I heard myself speaking in some language I didn't even know. He said, I went back to the doctor that week and I was healed of everything. My kidneys were healed. My back was healed. There was three things that were wrong. I forget what the other one was. But he said, all three things that were wrong with me, I was healed of. Anyway, he no more had any faith than the man in the moon. But see, we hear those kind of testimonies and we stretch toward that. Amen. So if those, if you had an anointed individual around, you could go to their meeting and you may or may not be healed. But when it comes to the word of God, there is no may or may not. There is whosoever. I said there is whosoever. Just like whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's the same thing with healing. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be healed. If you understand that healing already belongs to you. Now Psalms 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not His benefits. Who forgiveth all mine iniquity, healeth all my diseases. Even in the old covenant... Under the Abrahamic covenant, Jehovah Rapha was the God who hath healed or the God that healeth. Past tense. A lesser covenant with lesser promises. But you know, a lot of people never appropriated that healing power. Remember Naaman the leper in 2 Kings chapter 5. Uh, the Bible says that he was a Syrian general. He was the head of the army. And the Bible says he was a leper. And they had captured a little maid out of Israel. And somehow, some way, she ministered to him and said, there's a prophet in Israel that can get you healed if you'll go there. So he went there and ended up at the prophet's house. He said, go dip in the Jordan seven times, you'll be healed. He got a little mad, but eventually got healed, went and dipped in the Jordan, and his leprosy was gone. Jesus, in referring to that, said there were many lepers. Many lepers in the days of Naaman. But none of them got healed except naming the leper. You say, why? None of them appropriated it. None, none, none of them walked in it. None, none, none of them stood, believed God, because how could that little maid have known that Elisha operated in healing power unless Elisha had been getting people healed? Amen. That's how naming the leper got healed. So as believers in the body of Christ, especially at communion time, that is a time in which you need to discern the body of Christ and see yourself in Christ. I've seen more people healed physically in their body when I was on the field in teaching on redemption than I saw on teaching on healing. You say, how can you say that? Because when people begin to see themselves in Christ, they begin to see themselves healed. When they begin to see themselves in Christ, they begin to see themselves delivered. When they begin to see themselves in Christ, depression would break over them. When they begin to see themselves in Christ, they would begin to understand and realize healing is not something you're trying to get. Healing is something that already belongs to you. And by faith, you need to legally grab hold of it and bring it into your life. You need to appropriate it. Now, now real quick, let me do this. This will be the best way to end this. Go to, go to Hebrews real quick. Hebrews 11, since we've been studying faith on Sundays, this may help you. 
I can just sense his healing power right here tonight. You can just receive what you need from God. Hebrews 11, now notice, first one, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amplified. Faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being proof of things we do not see, the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not yet revealed to the senses. Notice that term. Faith is what? The title deed. Everybody say title deed. So you have documented proof of your healing. Now this is where people miss it because they, they think the proof of their healing is, is what their body's telling them. The proof of your healing is not what your body is telling you. The proof of your healing is what the Word of God says. And when you can get your focus off of what your body is telling you and get your focus on what the Word of God says and recognize and realize that you have legal documentation and legal rights to healing, healing is going to start working in your body. Amen? Now, what does, title, what does a title deed? Just think about if we had no title deeds... For automobiles, boats, motors, trailers, uh, I guess what's it called in the, in the, in the uh, uh, real estate world, the, the warranty deed or whatever they call for your home. If you had no proof of ownership, you could not claim it. That's why you just can't go out and get my truck and drive off. You say, why? That's called stealing. You say, why? It doesn't belong to you. You're not the one who has paid for it. Now, if I was going to sell it to you, you would have to pay me a price and we'd go down and we would transfer what? The titles. Which would transfer what? I'm going to let that just sink in a minute. Now, it would transfer what? It would transfer what? So who owns healing? Who owns healing? We do. Everybody say we do. Everybody's looking at me. I don't know if I ought to say that or not. <laughs> Amen. We have a title deed. Now, here's, here's, I'll, I'll close with this. I'll shut up with this. This will help you. Here's where religion really, really pushes against the grain of faith. They will agree. Religion will agree, God can heal. God can heal. God can do anything He wants to do. But whether or not God will heal you as an individual, then we're going to leave that up to His sovereignty. That's nothing. You, you, if God does, then good. You've hit the jackpots like winning the lottery. Everybody's heard of healing miracles. Everybody's heard of, uh, you know, things that have happened. Undeniable healing manifestations. Pastor Doty's still alive up at Lakewood. When I was in Bible school, she was, she, they didn't think she's going to live 30 days. She's still alive. You can't deny it. I said you can't deny it. She's got documented proof, but she's also got her title deed. Amen. Now, a statement she made. I thought this is the most powerful statement in the, that I've ever heard when it comes to healing. She said when they sat across the desk of the doctor, and the doctor gave the report, metastatic cancer of the liver, you may live six months, you may not, even if we treated you with the most radical drugs we have, you still wouldn't live six to eight months. 
She said the voice of cancer was screaming in her ear. Cancer, cancer, you're going to die. You're going to die. Cancer, cancer. But she said she began every day. Everybody, if you've ever read her book, Healed of Cancer, she began to speak those scriptures. She began to proclaim. And she said after a while, that word cancer had been turned way down to a little whisper, cancer. And by his stripes, I mean, this is the word she used. She said, we were overwhelmed by the doctor's report. And we knew we had to become more overwhelmed with what God's word said than overwhelmed by the doctor's report. That is the design of the word of God for the believer. For the believer. I, we had a guy in a meeting in West Laco, Texas, which is right on the border of Mexico. We're down there conducting a revival, Sunday through Wednesday revival. And a lot of young people were being touched, and they're bringing their friends from school. They brought one of the football players who had broken his leg. Now, now he just came up. I didn't have any special anointing or anything working uh, that I would have considered uh, something miraculous. I was just ministering to the sick by laying on of hands. He came up. I remember he had two crutches. He came up. We laid hands on him. I laid hands on him. He went and sat down the second row right there where Papa was sitting, first seat. Now, I began to continue to minister and minister, and I came back around, and I noticed he had a big ballpoint pen, a clear one, and was tearing that cast off his leg. So I walked over to him, and I said this to him. I said, I did not tell you to take that cast off of your leg. He looked up at me and said, but I'm healed. And I said it again. I did not tell you to take that cast off your leg. And he said it like this, but I'm healed. And I just walked off. Five minutes later, he's up running all over the church with a cast off of his leg. Now, this is what will blow your mind. When I gave the altar call for people to get saved, guess who the first one was? It was that guy. He was not even saved. He was not even born again. But what happened? Jesus healed him. By the power of his name, in order to demonstrate his kindness, his mercy, and his compassion, to do what? To open the door to salvation in his life. Now, that's how it works for the world. Many times, people that come to services, that's why we always try to exhort people. Bring your sick friends. Bring your sick neighbors. Bring people that are infirm. See, that's one of the things churches don't do anymore. I mean, there were meetings when we were kids, we'd drive up to, and there'd be ambulances parked at the side of the church. And they'd bring people in on stretchers, and there'd be people in wheelchairs, and there'd be people all over the place, sick and infirmed. And most of them were not even saved. But as they would hear the teaching on the Word of God, listen, God's not going to turn anybody away that comes hungry. The Bible says, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. And it is a righteous thing for Jesus to heal people. But for us as believers, just like we walk in our salvation. How many walk in your salvation every day? And most of us do it so naturally, we don't recognize it. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, back when you were a heather, you walk into a store, your eyes would turn to the beer section and the pornographic magazines. Come on. 
But now that you're saved, you don't even think about it. You walk into the store, you go get your loaf of bread, you go get your pack of gum, you go up there, and you put it on the counter, and you pay for it, and you never looked at no beer or nothing else because it's not in your nature anymore. You've done it for so long, you don't even recognize it. Something comes on the TV, Lee and I were watching something the other day, and a foul language started coming, we just changed the channel. But see, that's walking in your salvation. I get around somebody cursing and all that kind of stuff, I just start praising God. You say, well, you really do? Yeah, that's walking. We, we naturally walk in our salvation because we want to be pleasing to God. We ought to learn to walk in our healing, which means anytime a symptom, a sickness of sickness or disease tries to attack our body, then we correctly discern, I'm in the body. I'm in the body. Healing power is in the head. That means it flows down the neck, into the body, all through. Somebody say, well, I'm just, a, I'm just the skin on the bottom of the little toe of the left foot. Doesn't matter. You may be the skin on the bottom of the little toe of the left foot, but here's the thing. Healing power is still flowing in you, and here's the thing. It's resident in you all the time. You say, where is it? It's in your spirit. Remember what it said about faith. The word is nigh you, even in your, in your mouth. How close is your healing? As close as your mouth. It's as close as your mouth. All you have to do is begin to speak it, begin to worship God, begin to thank God, and begin to walk in it. Now, let me, oh, should I do that? All right. It is important. Now, listen to me carefully. It is important that we as a church begin to walk in divine health. We are living at a time in which medical science is literally at its zenith with information. They have more ways to treat, more ways to help, more types of surgeries, more types of breakthroughs with cancer and other diseases, more than any other generation. We are a blessed people to be able to live at a time in which medical science is as high as it is right now. That's the good news. The bad news, the system which brings us into treatment is, is, is imploding upon itself. The ability to get men and women treatment, the, the medical insurance, all of the, the games that have to be played to try to get, it is literally getting worse and worse and worse. And the day is coming, church, where it's going to be very difficult to get treatment. You say, why? Well, not because doctors don't have compassion. Not because they don't have a way to treat people. It's because they've so gummed up the works. If you don't believe that, try to go see a doctor. It's, it's very difficult, and it's not getting easier. It's getting more and more, and rates are getting higher and higher. Something's got to give. I believe we're going to come to the place in which when it's almost impossible to get in and get treatment at, a, at the right time, at the right place, with the right doctors. Many people today, their miracle is this, to get to the doctor at the right place, at the right time, and get the right treatment. Come on, church. You go to Europe. You go to Europe and look what socialized medicine has done. Most people die waiting for treatment. Most people, you go to a doctor, you say, man, I'll tell you I'm really sick. They say, well, we'll put you on a list. Maybe we'll see you in six months. Six months, you may be dead. Amen? And that's not the fault of doctors or medicine. It's the fault of the system. 
The system is gummed up. The system is messed up. And I'm telling you, there's not a politician. There's nobody can do anything about it. It's the way of the world system. You think the devil's going to allow the advances in healing to come into humanity so that humanity can be relieved of its suffering? Come on, church. It's still the world system, and it still belongs to the devil. Even though they come up with great advances in medicine, he's going to gum up the works. He's going to do everything he can do to stop people from getting healed. Well, I've got good news for people who need healing. Jesus is our healer. He has already purchased our healing through the stripes taken upon his back. We just need to learn how to walk in divine health and appropriate that healing in our lives. Learn to resist the symptoms that come upon us. Learn to stand in faith and then believe God for the outpouring of the miraculous, the gifts of the Spirit in operation, because whatever we sow, we reap. So you have a friend or a neighbor or a loved one, say, just lay hands on them, pray for them. We've, I've prayed for thousands of people in church altars. Thousands and thousands and thousands. I've prayed for them in, in, in jungle clearings. I've prayed for them in, in crusade settings. But I've also prayed for people in duck blinds and fishing boats and deer camps. And almost everywhere else you can think of, I have laid hands on people and prayed and seen God heal them. You say, why? Because Jesus is compassionate and God is loving. And he knows that we're at the end of a 6,000-year lease upon this earth in which the enemy has run rampant, bringing sickness, disease, infirmity, and pain to people. But Jesus bore our pain. He bore our infirmity. He bore our sickness. And he put us in the body of Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. The body of Christ has no design in it to be sick. Let me say it like this. The body of Christ is sick by choice. Not by design. Now let me say that again. It's sick by choice. You say, what do you mean by that? It's rejected healing. For the most part, churches have rejected healing. And they reject it because of experience. Well, well, my aunt believed for healing. And she died. And my uncle. It does not matter who or what has or has not received healing. Same way with salvation. We've got to stand in faith. Believe God. See who, are, who we are in Christ. And even tonight, as we celebrate communion together, as we break that bread, in your mind you ought to be saying, that body of Jesus was broken so he could put me into his body and I could be healed. When you take that cup, you think of the blood that ran down his back from those 39 stripes. And you think about how he poured it upon the mercy seat of God. And how when you became born again, you received preservation, soundness, safety, deliverance, and healing in his name. Amen? Glory to God. Brother Frank, if you'll go to the keyboard. Ushers, if you will, come real quick. Come real quick, and we'll serve you the communion implements tonight. Now, let me help you here. Don't get mad at me for saying this, but how many want to stay scriptural? Well, people will say that, and then I'll say something, they get mad at me. Amen. All you need is one or two famous preachers to do something and people just tear the pages out of their Bible. But let me just say this. Communion is designed for the body of Christ to receive corporately. Did you get that? Communion is, is designed for the body of Christ to receive corporately. 
Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere when Jesus implemented communion, the Lord's Supper, there were always at least two or three gathered in my name. Everybody say two or three gathered in my name. I had somebody ask me, the reason I'm answering this question is because it's somebody asked, Pastor, if I'm sick, should I take communion every day? No. No. I heard somebody say that one time on television. I was sick and I served myself communion every day and God healed me. No. I've heard preachers say that. I, I serve myself communion every day. Well, let me ask you this. Do you baptize yourself in water every day? No, you don't. Those are corporate things. They are designed for the body of Christ to enjoy together. Amen? Now, let me just help you with that. Because some people do it ceremonially, but there's no scriptural evidence that it enhances anybody's faith. Did you get that? There's no scriptural evidence that serving yourself communion at a time of prayer or serving yourself communion, uh, trying to fight off sickness and disease. Because here's what people will do. They'll serve themselves communion and they'll forget confession. Which I'll show you in the Word over and over and over. You need to be speaking the Word of God. They'll serve themselves communion and they'll forget worship. They'll serve themselves communion and they'll forget the major things that if you will do that, that will help you regain your health and maintain your healing where there's no scripture in the Bible that says if you receive communion as an individual you're going to get healed it's not in there every time they take it oh, okay I'll do that you ought to go study the word baptism in the book of Acts because I'm telling you there are people that are so sideways on baptism they hadn't got a clue so in teaching the Word of God in a Bible school setting for 13 years, in prayer one day I said, Lord, how do you know in the, in, the, in the book of Acts when they're talking about baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Ghost, or baptism into the body of Christ, which is salvation? Amen? Because a lot of people are mixed up. I mean, whole denominations, they'll tell you, well, if you're not baptized in water in Jesus' name only, you're not even saved. Anybody ever heard that? Popular, very popular. Did you know God is so smart? Did you know he's so practical? He said this to me. He said, look in the book of Acts. Every time it's the ordinance of baptism, I mention water. Did you get that? How many remember when he mentioned water? Mentioned water there in Acts chapter 19. Mentioned water there when the, when the, when the Ethiopian eunuch got baptized. Mentioned water every time. Now, Every time it was the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they either, it ever, either says plainly that they spoke in tongues or it's inferred. Amen? Acts chapter 2, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts chapter 8, what did Simon see? Simon saw him speaking in other tongues. Acts chapter 9, who was baptized in the Holy Ghost? The Apostle Paul, and he said later in the book of Corinthians, he said, I speak in tongues more than you all. So it's inferred. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius' house. And as Peter spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. Acts chapter 19, in, in Ephesus, 12 men that were baptized unto John's baptism. The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to prophesy. Amen. So God is very practical. When he meant water baptism, he mentioned water. When he meant baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, he literally meant, I either say it plainly, or you can see very plainly that's what happened. And when it comes to baptism in the body of Christ, 
That's all the other times the word baptism is mentioned in the book of Acts. Amen? So you have to be practical when it comes to the application of the Word of God. See, I could, I could feel the recoil of people. Oh, you can't say that about communion because you've had so many big preachers on television get up and talk about their miracle they got when they served themselves communion every day. You can do it. But you know what it'll be? It's a dead work. It's a dead work. You say, why? You have no scriptural basis for it, and anything you do not have scriptural basis for, you have no faith for. Amen? Things that seem to have spiritual significance, but have no basis in the Word of God. And see, we get tripped up on that kind of stuff. Now, just about every time, I've actually heard teaching on serving yourself communion. And when they finished teaching, there wasn't a lick of faith in it because they had no scriptural base. They didn't go, well, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and I'll show you here where Paul did it. I'll show you where Silas did it. I'll show you where Peter did it. I'll show you. No, no, they couldn't do it. So all they did was share experience after experience after experience. So the main guy I follow after, I went and read some of his material. You say, who's the main guy you follow? Well, I, I kind of feel safe around Brother Hagin. So I went and studied Brother Hagin's, and I found a message that Brother Hagin preached on communion and served communion to people in his healing school, and he made this statement. Communion is for the body of Christ. It is the body getting together and celebrating the blood and the body. You say, why? Because it's the body. It's the body together. It joins the body together. It brings unity to the body. And if you say, well, I do that every day. I serve myself. That's fine. You can do it. But see, we transfer our faith into what we do when we do that. Well, I'm serving myself communion every day. It's what I'm doing every day. God should heal me. He's already healed you. But the body of Christ, when it gathers together, the first time communion was implemented under the new covenant, was on the road to Emmaus when those guys brought Jesus into their home and he began to break the bread. And there were three gathered. Where there are two or three gathered, now you're corporate. Now you're corporate. Where the two or three are gathered in my name, there am I right in the midst. Amen? Hold up the bread. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I recognize and realize my Savior, my healer, his body was broken that I might receive healing. I declare healing is mine. It belongs to me. I believe I receive it. I appropriate it into my body in Jesus' name. I declare that the purchase price of my healing has been paid. And I have, and I have, and I have the title deed it's mine it's mine it belongs to me in honor of my savior and my healer i break the bread in recognition of his sacrifice and receive in jesus name heavenly father in honor of the blood of the Lord Jesus which was shed for me eradicating the Adamic nature in my soul and in my spirit 
I receive the cup tonight recognizing the blood of Jesus cries out for healing power to manifest in my body as I recognize the purchase price of salvation and rejoice and honor the one who paid the price. I receive of the cup and I receive of all its benefits into my life in Jesus' name. Now receive of the cup. Now lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you tonight. We worship you, Heavenly Father. We glorify your name, Lord. We exalt you, Lord God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, if you're if you're believing God, if you're standing in faith, if you're if you're believing you receive healing in your body tonight, you ought to just lift your hands and worship and thank God that you are healed. That healing is working in your body right now. Just begin to worship God for it. Begin to thank Him for it. Heavenly Father, I thank You. Healing power. Healing virtue. It's in my spirit. It was deposited in me through salvation. And by faith, and by faith, it is making a move out of my spirit and into my physical body. For healing is that which I possess as I was healed 2,000 years ago by the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. My faith is in the Word. By His stripes, I was healed. Thank you, Father. It's the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It has set me free from the law of sin and death. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead it abides. It dwells in me. It quickens. It makes alive my mortal body. Therefore, I declare from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, every bone, my blood, my organs, my glands, my tissue, my muscles, I am healed. I am healed. I am healed in the name of Jesus. Now I give glory unto Him. I give glory unto Him. I give glory unto Him. I worship You, Lord God. I glorify Your name. I exalt You, Heavenly Father. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Woo! I tell you, there's life in the Word. I said, there's life in the Word. I said, there's life in the Word. Well, let's receive our offering real quick, then we'll go have some fellowship together. I saw some really good-looking cookies back there. How many like cookies? Not too many, just enough. Amen. Give him by cash, lift your hand, they'll bring you an offering envelope. Now, let's, let's talk about this just for a minute as we receive the offering. Offerings and healing, money and healing. Can't buy a miracle, can't buy healing. I've seen people try to use that, really abuse it, get messed up. Brother Hagen used to speak of a very powerful healing evangelist that needed to judge himself in three areas, his love walk, uh, his own flesh, his own body, because he wasn't taking care of himself physically, and money. 
And so over the years, I would hear Brother Hagin teach on that. But I never heard him really teach on the money aspect. So Lee and I were blessed to be at, at dinner with him. And, and so uh, that afternoon at dinner, I asked him. I said, Brother Hagin, you, you, you always talk about, we know who it is. He, you know the guy's name. We, I don't want to say it tonight. But we know. I said, I know who you're talking about. And, and uh, I said, now it's easy to understand his love walk and his, his own personal health. But now, what was the money issue? And he said, well, he said this guy had one of the most profound working of miracle gifts operating through his miracle, uh, ministry that you ever saw in your life. Profound. And he said the anointing of God would come into a meeting and somebody would get healed. He'd call them up front and give attention to them. You know, here's so-and-so, they've come from wherever uh, they were sick now they're healed they'd testify yeah I'm healed all this kind of stuff so he'd reach into his pocket and he'd pull out a 20 a 50 or a hundred dollar bill and he'd hold it up and he'd say now if you want a miracle bring me one of these so I asked brother Hagen well what would happen he said well they'd come by the thousands and put money all over the altar and I said what would happen after that he said people would be healed in mass he said thousands would receive miracles, untold miracles that were, that were just outstanding miracles. So my next question was this, why? If it was an obvious sham, why? And I'll never forget what Brother Hagin said. He said, because the mercy and the grace of God is bigger than the man's sin. And he cared more for the needs of the people than he did for what that man was doing. But here's what he said, that man never did judge himself. And he died at age 38. Fell over dead at age 38. Well, see, God continued to heal and bless. But that's not the correct procedure when it comes to giving, to offerings. You don't say, you know, wow, the glory of God's here. Bring me an offering. I've seen that happen. And, brother, you talk about letting the air out of a meeting. It'll do it every time. But here's the key. I've used this so many times. Now, if you're a tither, it works. You say, why? Because you're a tither. The devourer is rebuked. And that word devourer is the seed destroyer. And as the Word of God is taught, the seed of the Word goes into your heart. And the way to preserve and protect it is through tithing. Because then the devourer is rebuked. Amen. And also, there is a timing process, a timing promise. Your seed will not produce itself in the field before it's time. Which means right on time, right on time, right on time, your healing will manifest. Right on time, the blessing of God will come. Right on time, right on time, right on time. We were with Dr. Oral Roberts a couple of years. Lee and I were close to him. He looked me in the eye. He said, I'm telling you, Rusty, one dime out of every dollar will keep you safe. One dime ever out of every dollar will keep you healed. One dime out of every dollar will keep you walking in the blessings of God. Just obey in God, and God will bless you. Amen. Ready to give tonight? Hold your offerings up. Say this, Heavenly Father, thank you for the seed of your word going into my spirit on the subject of healing in honor of that seed I give tonight thanking you Lord that seed will not be corrupted in me 
It will bear fruit in my physical body. It will bear fruit in the bodies of those I minister to. It will bear fruit. And all I put my hand to will prosper in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to sow into the kingdom. I cannot buy a miracle, but I can honor you as my healer through my giving in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. I still think that's one of the most profound testimonies of, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember his name. Mark Barkley, Dr. Mark Barkley, and his granddaughter drowning and dying. She drowned and died. Found her at the bottom of the pool. Picked her up out of the, out of the, the, the water and began to do, the ambulance arrived, began to do CPR on her, couldn't get any pulse. Couldn't get, in, couldn't get any type of, uh, of signs of life. They were at a, at, a, at a Walmart or something getting hot dogs and hot dog buns and mustard and everything to have a family outing around the pool that day. The call came. They rushed to the home. And this is what he said. I'll never forget when he told the testimony. He said, being a man of God, being a minister for many years, over four, almost five decades, what, what would come out of you when you walk up on the scene? You drive up in your driveway. There's the ambulances and the fire trucks and the lights are flashing. You walk in the back and there's a huddled crowd around your granddaughter. What comes out of your mouth? What comes out of your mouth? He said he and his wife prayed in tongues the whole way. He said as he opened the door and got out, as he walked up on the scene, this came out of his mouth. You can't take her. I'm a tither. And the devourer's rebuke, she's my seed. She's my seed. When he said that, she sat up. She sat up, came back to life just like that. You say, you really believe that? Well, I don't think Dr. Barkley would lie. Amen? You say, what do you mean? There are things in the Word of God that when we obey them, God said, prove me. Prove me by doing this. I don't know how we got off on that, but it'll help you anyway. Amen? You love the Lord? Stand on your feet, Father. We bless your name tonight. As always, we declare our protection, our provision, and our safety. Thanking you, Lord. No evil befalls us. No plague comes to our dwelling place. Angels of God have charge around us all week long. Father, thank you as we, as we travel, as we work with the resource you've given us. We're not subject to accidents, trauma, terror, evil plans of wicked men. Even though we live in a system that's fallen, you've lifted us out of the miry clay. Set our feet on the rock to stay. So, Father, tonight as we depart the service, go fellowship for a little while. Let our fellowship be blessed. We call the food blessed in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your blessings upon us. Make us sensitive, Father, to your voice. Gentle unctions of the Spirit. As we're out in the world this next week, let us be a witness everywhere we go in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in our uttermost parts of the world. Let your Spirit work in us to be a blessing to people, an answer to their prayer, a problem to our adversary, and a miracle in people's lives. Lord, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. As we leave tonight, we walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You've called us to be thanking you, Lord. Here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Come on. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113 
We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.